I need some music to this intro because I'm back. Ladies and gentlemen, Uzi is back with part two of the Killer Perks. So for those who are not up to tune with this series, I went over about half of the perks in Dead by Daylight on the Killer side. I would probably say at this point it would have to be like four months ago. It's been quite some time. I did take a major hiatus from gaming altogether, which I will happily talk about. A different time as a little prequel to a different podcast. But for now, we're going to jump right into our perks here. So I just want to give everyone a little debrief of what's going on here. So I'm going to go over the second half of the killer perks in Dead by Daylight. I'm going to give the description. I'm going to talk about the applicability of it, how much I use it, more or less whether or not I like it, what kind of builds you could probably do with it, what killers are probably good with it or not. And I'm going to probably talk about some perks more than others because some are just much more intriguing than others. Some of these perks are really boring and offer very little value. So without a further ado, we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to try to speed run this just a little bit because I got a puppy and she's sleeping right now. So only God knows when she's going to wake up from her slumber. So let's start off with Hoarder. Survivors reveal their location when they interact with a chest or when they pick up an item within 64 meters of your location. So I think the whole chest aspect needs a bit of a rework. And let me elaborate on that. So the reason I say that is I think the rework on the chest aspect needs to be reworked in the sense that it should be applicable to the Nemesis and Wesker chest as well. Maybe that would promote tunneling. So maybe it's a bad idea, but at the very least it would give some synergy with those killers. Not to mention the fact that I think this whole meter range aspect is pretty silly because it makes it difficult to properly synergize this with Franklin's Demise, for example. I know a lot of people like Hoarder with Cenobite. So you run Hoarder to see who grabbed the box from where and then use Franklin's Demise and you try to build momentum. And that's where you really see perks like these really start to go into motion. But I'd like to see a bit of a rework in terms of the meters being limitless. I would like to see a bit of a rework for Wesker and Nemi's chest to be available in that whole shindig. And then the whole thing with two additional chests, I think that not just should the chest be additional, but I think the time to open them should be. If I'm hoarding those items, I should be playing hard to get, if you know what I'm saying. So I think if you're playing hard to get, I think this chest should take longer to open. And I would be okay with those two additional chests not even being available to begin with. But that's just my opinion. And we are, I don't know if any of you know this, but there's kind of a thing going on. I'm not sure how much validity there is to it, but Cutcoin is actually like applicable to Plague and a couple other killers in Dead by Daylight because when you use the Cutcoin, it minimizes the locations where chests can spawn, therefore making the fountains, for example, for Plague much more readily available in aspects of the map that you would want it to be. So once that I'm, you know, give or give or take could technically hurt, right? Because if you're running hoarder on plague, not like you probably ever would, you might be hurting a little bit because this chest might take up spots for your fountains. So just something to keep in mind. Moving on to hubris. Whenever you're stunned by a survivor, that survivor suffers from the exposed status effect for 20 seconds. It's actually one of the perks that I do run. I really enjoy running this perk in particular with Bubba or Cannibal. I mean, not Cannibal, the same exact character. Sorry, brain dead. Haven't played DVD in God knows how long, and I simply have suddenly returned. So, 
my knowledge is just a wee bit off, but I meant hillbilly or cannibal. So I bet those killers are really fun to use it for because they shred through pallets, Bubba more or less, and then hillbilly can shred through pallets and at least zone people effectively with your chainsaw. So you get some value out of it, and then you can just do the M1 strip. Plus, there's a cute little thing with Hillbilly. Correct me if I'm wrong, please, in the comment section below. Or your Q&A, or whatever aspect or platform you're listening to this on. But I'm pretty sure Hillbilly has an add-on where if you're overheated on your chainsaw, you actually get the enduring effect. As It might be a purple add-on. I am be green. Don't quote me on that, but... Either way, I think there's an add-on for that, and so you could technically get, like, Enduring for Hillbilly while running Spirit Fury and Hubris while using two other perk slots for whatever else instead of one of them being dedicated to Enduring. But either way, fun for any M1 killer, fun for killers that can shred through pallets because you're going to obviously have that ability available significantly more. And then just bear with me for a brief moment. Yeah, so I have learned that I'm going to have to rehydrate a lot more because in my absence, I've realized I've talked a lot less. And as a result, I need to go for refreshers a little bit more often. So I apologize for that. Let's move on to Hysteria. Hysteria is a perk I want to like, but I cannot unless they make a change to it. Whenever a healthy survivor becomes injured by any means, all injured survivors suffer from the oblivious status effect for 30 seconds. Hysteria can only trigger once every 30 seconds. I think that we need a bit of a rework on Hysteria. I think that to make this perk better... I think it's whenever a healthy survivor becomes injured, by any means, all survivors suffer from the oblivious status effect for 30 seconds. Get rid of the trigger once every 30 seconds, because at the end of the day, you got to think about it, like how like people can choose to stay injured to technically counter that, so you're just going down immediately. I think that wouldn't be such a bad thing. At the end of the day, anyways, how much value are you really going to get out of it? Are you going to injure a healthy survivor and just leave them alone and go after a different healthy survivor? Not always. So, But I understand the point is that you hit a healthy survivor to get them injured, and then you, you sneak up on an injured survivor and get a free down. I understand the premise of it. It's not a bad perk. I just think it can be improved. I think all survivors should always suffer from the oblivious status effect after being injured by any means. I just think that would be a nice little rework for this perk. It's not very strong. I want to see it used more. And it's just not going to happen at this rate. But if you still want to use it, I think great killers to use this on are Plague because of her Founds and Vomit. It's just a combination of the two. Definitely has some good synergy. Obviously Legion, very easy to injure people. I would go as far as to say oppressive killers like Nurse and Blight. Because if you're able to apply a lot of pressure on the map and hit a bunch of survivors over a short period of time... You're probably going to have more survivors injured as a result getting more value out of that perk. Once again, I'm not saying this is an S tier perk, but I'm saying if you're trying to get value out of it, those are some ways to go. Sadiqa is actually not bad because of, you know, kind of the play style. You're supposed to kind of hit, run. Wraith, I wouldn't even recommend because you're naturally going to cloak and be oblivious naturally as a result of that. So, wouldn't worry about on a killer like him. But there are some killers in the game that you could run it with. I'm sure there's more. I'm just giving a few examples for... The sake of the conversation. Moving forward to Imo Ears. Unlocks potential in one's aura reading ability. Any survivor performing a rush action within 48 meters from your location will have the aura revealed for 6 seconds. Imo Ears can only be triggered once every 40 seconds. Alright, simple rework. Make it every 20 and then decrease the range. Because if I'm not chasing the survivor and a different survivor for whatever reason fast faults... I don't want their aura to get revealed when I'm chasing a different survivor. So I think it should be 
not within your terror radius because then you might lose some applicability out of it, but I think it should be within 24. I would maybe even 20. I definitely think it should be something more reasonable, but you know, maybe a random Huntress player out there is like, no, but I use I'm all ears and then I get these really awesome rain shots and you wouldn't believe the cool shots I get. I'm sorry, Huntress, but I've never heard of any Huntress doing it before besides you. So we're going to have to ask you to step aside and give up your throne to I'm all ears in this very niche scenario so other killers can get a little bit more applicability out of it. But anyways, that's where I'd like a little rework to I'm all ears get a little bit more value out of it. But all in all, I think the perk is fine just the way it is. I think killers that really excel with it are killers like Nemesis, believe it or not, because you they will fast fall through the window and then you act like you're going to go one way as you take out the tentacle and then you essentially just do a little flick and you get the hit on them. It's really good on Pyramid Head because of all the obstacles you can go through. There's a couple other killers in the game that I think would be really good with it. I would argue Nurse. I think that Blight even, if you're really good at hug techs because of kind of the design of it, right? You're going to see what direction they go, so you can hug tech into that next location. I know I'm being a bit repetitive with the killers. Huntress really isn't bad either, but I'm just saying in that niche scenario of the 48 meter range is where I'm like, really? But I do think that killers such as them get value, even Trickster in certain situations. So I definitely think there is value there. All right, moving on to the Infectious Fright. Any survivors that are within your terror radius while another survivor is put into the dying state will scream and reveal their location for six seconds. So I think the perk is pretty decent. I like it. But what I'll say is that there is technically a counter because we're seeing a lot more with Ultimate Weapon, which I'll get into towards the end, is that more people are running Calm Spirit, so Infectious Fright is essentially the counter to that, which no one really ever runs, so you must always get value out of it if someone's within your terror radius. However, typically the only killers that get value out of a perk like this is killers such as Oni, believe it or not, Plague when you have your power, Blight with Alchemist Ring, Nurse. Like, usually it's oppressive, offensive killers that get the most value out of this perk. So it's kind of unfortunate, because at the end of the day... You don't get much value out of it on someone like Wraith or Trapper, but there are killers who have very impressive powers where you will get a lot of value out of it. Obviously, once again, there are more killers, and I'm going to use Nurse and Blaze as an example for a fair amount of them because just perks like those just work well for these type of perks. But that is personally what I would recommend in terms of utilization. I don't play in a slug playstyle, so I personally would not run this perk ever i typically pick as long as someone is not down on a pallet moving on to insidious so insidious is standing still for two seconds grants you the undetectable status effect until you move or act again i think there's a lot of niche situations where you can use it if you are basement bubba and you're camping in a corner or your chest guardian bubba guarding your chest if you are next to an exit gate and you use Insidious and you can hide and you can get some value out of it, you can actually use Insidious next to a generator that you catch with Dragon's Grip, get some value out of it. I've even seen a couple of people use Doctor with a couple of his add-ons and then just stand in place and then people assume it's an illusion and then you get some value out of it. So there are some niche situations where you get value of Insidious and I would definitely say this is one of the more, I guess, 
fun perks, right? Because you're not really going to get value out of this too often. That's going to grant you a competitive advantage to winning. This is not a win condition, right? This is just, hey, I want to goof around and have a little fun. So that's actually why you don't see it very often. I think it was a little bit more applicable back in the day when there was less perks in DVD, but now you're kind of seeing the same general meta. Granted, I've been gone for a minute, but upon, you know, essentially returning and making this video with the little experience I have, it seems to be the same consistent perks that I've been running across. But yeah, Insidious, not very good perk, pretty niche, but you can get some value out of it if you want. So Iron Grasp. So effects of Survivor Struggling is reduced by 75%. Time to struggle off your grasp is increased by 12%. So I actually wonder to myself if Iron Grasp is better than Agitation. And I wonder if anyone's ever done the experiment. Because at the end of the day, you do get your increase out, you know, when it comes to Survivor Struggling to get out of your grasp by 12%. Plus the Survivor Struggling is reduced by 75%. And you can make the argument that agitation, although it speeds you up and increases your terror radius, you are not necessarily able to get as far, even though you're able to get a little bit faster based off of the sway speed and movement. I don't know. Once again, I'm just speculating. I don't have any science to prove this, but I wonder if there's validity behind that. And if so, well, you probably should run Iron Grasp if you run into Pain Res build. I would like someone to test that out. Maybe I should test it out myself and upload it onto the channel. We'll see. Anywho, I think it's a fair perk. Like, Agitation, as a matter of fact, is one of my favorite perks to run in the game. And maybe Iron Grass could be that perk as well if, I, if it did more, I guess, right? Like, if I knew it was more effective than Agitation, then maybe I would use it. But admittedly, I like the increased movement speed with Agi, so I think I'd probably stick to that. But... Iron Grass might be better for those builds where you're really trying to get value with Pain Res. So, just keep that in mind. Iron Maiden. So, you open lockers 50% faster. And then, survivors who exit lockers suffer from the exposed status for 30 seconds and scream reviewing their location for 4 seconds. So, Iron Maiden's a very niche perk, right? I think the only time you really get value of it is if you're a Huntress or a Trickster where you're reloading at the locker. Uh, that's pretty much really the only situation to get value out of it. Now, technically, you can synergize it a little bit more, right? You can run Iron Maiden with Darkness Revealed, and then you get Aura Reading if you want on other killers if you really want to do something like that. Now, with Ultimate Weapon for Xenomorph, you could use Iron Maiden with that if you're just sick and tired of opening lockers at such a slow speed. You'll do it a little bit faster at the end of the day. Do I really consider this to be worth it? No. Iron Maiden is one of those perks that I use because I am impatient, but at the end of the day, it's not necessary. So, it's a perk that definitely, it's you know, it, it has its place, but it's not something that I would particularly use in, on any other killer besides Huntress. Not even for me, Trickster, because he actually has an add-on, if I remember correctly, to open lockers faster. Not to mention, he just got a buff to locker speed with the most recent patch notes, if I remember correctly, from reading up on things. Once again, correct me if I'm wrong. But we'll be moving on to Jolt, one of my favorite perks in the game. So, putting a survivor into the dying state with a basic attack causes all generators within 32 meters to explode instantly and begin regressing. Generators affected by Jolt immediately lose 8% of their progress. I think this kill this perk is great on all M1 killers. There is no exception to it. It's just because you're obviously doing your basic M1 attacks. Freddy, Trapper, Wraith. There are so many killers where you're going to get great value out of it for... But I would actually argue the best perk 
to run Jolt on is Deathslinger. So Deathslinger, I think, gets immaculate value. And something that survivors slash killers slash individuals may not always consider is the fact that if you know a generator is being worked and is right outside the 32-meter radius where the survivor is, you can reel them in and bring them closer within that radius. You can force the jolt to happen. So it's not by much. And obviously it's situational. You have to understand how terror radiuses work, but you can get immense value out of a jolt with Deathslinger as long as you understand your environment and how far you can shoot and the scenarios. So I think jolt is best for Deathslinger, but at the end of the day, everyone has their preferences, but I still think it's good on any M1 killer. And I just think that Honestly, if you have a killer that has some sort of ability, you should probably avoid this perk, such as Nurse, Blight. Joel is also really good for Spirit because her power counts as a basic attack, which it probably shouldn't if you just come out of your power. Maybe there should be like a short little range where it doesn't get value, but arguments can obviously be made towards or against that. But I think Jolt is a fine perk. Once again, it's one of my favorite perks in the game. I've been using it since it was called Surge. But obviously now it's a jolt because of the whole licensing agreement with Stranger Things. Knockout. So this is a slugging perk for those who do not know. Survivors put into the dying state by a basic attack are not revealed to other survivors when they are standing outside of a 16 meter range. Survivors put into the dying state by your basic attack crawl 50% slower for 15 seconds and the recovery speed is reduced by 25%. During this time, survivors are affected by the blindness status effect. So knockouts, once as I mentioned, a slugging perk. It's typically something that killers use to essentially build pressure, and other survivors and solo queue typically don't know where that person went down at, and that's where you get so much value out of it. So you can pretty much four-man slug, and you'll never know where your teammates are. Obviously, this perk is not very useful when you are in a swift, and you can just make the calm that, hey, I'm down at 12 or 4. Obviously, those are competitive terms, but if we're not going to go competitive, then you can say I'm down at Killer Shack or I'm down in the main building on the second story. So, obviously, you can be more specific. But Knockout, it's more of a solo queue killer than anything, so I think that's the unfortunate part of that. But all in all, if you're trying to slog, it's really not that bad. But a couple of killers that I actually think thrive with Knockout is Cenobite because you down people with your M1s. I've seen a couple of people do with Trapper, which is ironic, but, you know, it got its value. I think there's a couple of other killers, of course, that you can get value out of it. I think back when Nurse counted as basic attacks with her power, this was a phenomenal perk for doing the 4K slug strat with. But all in all, I definitely would not use this perk in my personal opinion, because I don't really like slugging. And so that just seems really unfun. Uh, of course, Sadako is another great example because of the 4K slug strat. Lethal Pursuer, one of my favorite perks in the game. At the start of the trial, the auras of all survivors are revealed to you for 9 seconds. Any time a survivor's aura is shown for a period of time, its duration is increased by 2. Great synergy with any type of aura reading perk. I'm all ears, barbecue and chili... You can go Darkness Reveal. The list goes on and on and on. Anything that reviews your aura, it's great. I love it. It's phenomenal. It gives you an idea of where to go in the beginning of the match. And then you can just build momentum because you have barbecue and chili after. I think it's great. It's literally one of the greatest perks that DVD has ever released because I am impatient. And so it's great when I can just find out what the survivors are in the beginning of the match. Especially when you're using a speed-based killer such as Blight, Nurse... I even go as far as say clown. I'm not, not necessarily for the speed aspect, but for those who use clowns 
essentially alcohol speed bottles, but that's not what they are. It's the yellow dust. I think it's called after tonic. Once again, I'm slacking. I know, but you can get a little bit of a speed boost and you usually do that until you get into your chase against a survivor. And then you can utilize your essentially both sets of bottles to try to get ahead on a survivor and then go from there. But I'm not going to get into the whole strategy and play style of a clown, but even clown, because you get a little bit of a speed boost. Wraith, because of the 150 movement speed, plus the add-ons that you can have to increase the movement speed. All very good stuff. I love it. It's great. Highly recommend this perk to for any killer, really. Really, you probably shouldn't for, use it for Trapper, but with the more recent update that is being implemented for Trapper with the base kit haste speed, it might not be so bad because you can place traps and then essentially just head straight to your first location and try to corral them into that area where you're placing traps and moving leverage so each time you hook a survivor game one token up to 10 when you hook a survivor this perk activates for 30 seconds for each token reduce the speeds at which survivors heal by five percent so i do not like this perk and that's because it has this period of time where it's like hey it's only for 30 seconds which they can't heal as fast really just 30 seconds how about we make this permanent because if you get 10 fucking tokens, it means you got 10 hooks. You already won at that point. It really is just said at that point being a dead horse. So I would say that you should never have it deactivate. And that way it's going to get a lot more value throughout the match. And then I actually think I would use leverage myself. I think that would be nice. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be one of those perks that are just very, very niche. But if we want to make an argument perk-wise of what killers this would be good for, Oni, right? Oni would be good, especially good Onis, because the longer the match goes on, you're probably going to continue to dominate, and it's going to be slower for them to heal, therefore you're dropping more blood. But once again, why wouldn't I just let you sloppy butcher at that point? But you can make the argument, well, I can down a survivor with Oni, and then after I hook them, use my power, down another survivor, and then I'm getting leverage value after downing that survivor rather than sloppy butcher value since that's basic attacks only. So obviously arguments can be made. Wraith isn't bad because it's nice when you sneak up on a survivor when they're injured. There's obviously other stealth killers we're going to get a little bit of value out of it for, but all in all, it's very niche. They need to do a minor rework for it. I think that's to get rid of the the activation for 30 seconds it's just it's very niche it, it literally makes it even worse than it already is and that way if you do this and get rid of the that condition you're going to permanently get value out of it for every single hook and hopefully that will incentivize positive gameplay as well because if you're the more people have alive obviously they're going to have to dedicate more time to healing or b they're going to have to stay injured which i for you know those that are like, oh, if they're just going to bust out gens and they're going to gen rush. Well, I mean, they go down immediately. So, A, they're going to have to play super safe. Or B, you're going to get the drop on them and it's a winning condition. So, minor rework and leverage would be greatly appreciated. Then moving on to Lightborn. You're immune to blindness caused by flashlights, firecrackers, flashbangs, and blast mines. As far as that attempt blinding, you have their auras revealed for 10 seconds. I don't really like the concept of Lightborn. I'm a bit of a hater. So... The reason I say this is because I think that it is partially a skill issue to constantly get blinded by survivors. So 
if you are constantly getting blinded by survivors, then maybe you need to do something a little bit different. With that being said, I do understand that this game is designed to cater to all groups of people. Brand new, veterans, etc. And I'm sure there's some really casual people that just run it because they just want to vibe. They're probably listening to music, gaming out. They don't even want to have to worry about it. So, I understand the design of the perk. However, it's literally unfun when you're like, damn, I got this flashlight save. And then, bam, Lightborn happens. You don't get it. So, it's a bit of a bummer as a survivor when you bring a flashlight because you're like, damn, get no value out of it. Now I just got to you know, try hard and work on generators and can't have fun like I wanted to. But, at the end of the day... It's really not a bad design perk if you really want to rework it in any capacity. Add a situation where you add tokens and you literally have up to so many tokens. Let's just say you have, let's just say one token. Let's just say one, fine. One or three, whatever you want to do. So if a survivor blinds you while you have a survivor in your grasp, you lose a token. And once you lose all your tokens, you no longer get that benefit. And that way, you can still try to save survivors because I've literally seen... This has only happened one time in my entire career of Dead by Daylight. But I saw a tunneling Bubba who ran Lightborn. So when they tunneled someone out of the game, there was no way you could counter it minus a pallet save. So that is something that needs to be kept in mind that it kind of promotes tunneling because you can't get rid of it. You can't counter it unless you're on a pallet. So, something to keep in mind, too, is that it can technically promote tunneling. Moving on to machine learning. So, after performing the damage generator action, this perk activates. While this perk is active, the next generator you damage will be compromised. Until it's completed, the generator is highlighted in yellow. When the compromised generator is completed, you become undetectable and gain a 10% haste for 30 seconds. Then the perk deactivates. If you damage a generator while another generator is compromised, the compromised generator becomes the latest one damaged. So the way I feel about this perk is that I don't think there should be a single compromised generator. So I think that any generator I damage should automatically become compromised. And if it gets completed, then I get my ability because there's no shittier feeling then kick in a generator, and then you find out there's a generator that has a lot more progression, so you kick that one, and then you decide to chill in that area for a little bit, and then bam, the other generator pops, and you're like, well, fuck me. And then it's like, well, I guess I'll get it on this one. And then it's like, but in order to get it on this one, I pretty much have to let it go. And then, like that's kind of the, the kicker, right? So you're not getting value out of this perk like you want to because you're kicking other generators, trying to apply control on the map, and so you just get put in the shit situation where you're kicking generators and then the other ones are getting completed. And so you're really only getting value out of this one or two times a match. And I just think that you should be able to get this value more than one or two times. Maybe this is simply a skill issue and I need to reprioritize how I kick generators and just ignore ones that you know, don't matter to me and focus on holding a 3-gen a little bit more. But I don't really do the whole 3-gen holding. I usually just roam around the map, look for some good chases, and move on. At the end of the day, it's just a video game. It's not designed to be taken too seriously. Obviously, I think that you sh should take it seriously if you want to take it seriously. But at the same time, I just want to relax, enjoy a perk. I think it would be fun to get 10% haste speed for 30 seconds if the gen were to pop. But 
I understand sometimes things work the way they work. But if we want to talk about a couple of killers or machine learning would be useful for, let's just refer to a killer that will make you shit your pants. So imagine machine learning on Bubba. Turns the corner at 10% hay speed and you're fucked. So I think that's a good example. Obviously, there's other killers like a one-shot. Hillbilly would be cool if you're running a certain add-ons. You could be undetectable and silent at the same time. And then just sneak up on survivors, get a free hit and down. And then I'm guessing that the 10% haste would be applicable to those killers while in their power. Because from my understanding, it is designed like that for Blight. So I wouldn't be designed that way for other killers. But I digress and we move on to the next perk, which is Mad Grit. So while carrying a survivor, you suffer no cooldown for missed basic attacks and successfully hitting another survivor with a basic attack will pause the carry survivor's vocal timer for four seconds. I rather like this perk. I think it's very nice. As a matter of fact, when I'm running a really chill build, this is actually one of the four perks that I choose. I don't know why I love this perk, but I love this perk. It's just, it's nice. It's just kind of something you use to just kind of enjoy. Literally, like I said, it's one of my four perks. Literally, it's Shadowborn, Mad Grit, Enduring, and Agi. Those are the four perks that I typically run when I'm just vibing, having a good time. And if I'm not running Mad Grit, I'm running Brutal Strength. And I know it's like, oh, other people run that when they're just running kind of a chill build. And I'm like, I know, but it's just nice to kind of have a nice quality of life in certain things. But I don't know. Mad Grit's fun when I'm just kind of swinging all the way to the hook. So it's, it's fun for me. But technically, it's useful in any killer. There is no killer that doesn't get applicability out of this if someone tries to do a body block. So just keep it in mind. It's very useful across the board. Make your choice. When a survivor rescues another survivor from a hook at least 32 meters away from you, make your choice causes the survivor to scream and apply the exposed status effect for 60 seconds. So there are killers that are really good for this and killers that probably are not as good for this. For example, I would stick to killers that focus on the M1 aspect because a killer like Blight is going to probably use his power to hit a survivor before he uses M1. Same when it comes to Nurse. So I would actually say a killer that probably gets more value out of this perk than just about any other killer would probably be Singularity. Arguments can be made about Freddy and Sadako, but the reason I say Singularity is because you can literally place one of your cameras right there, and as soon as they go for the unhook, bam, you tag them, and then you trace them, and then bam, you're right on the chase with them, and with how fast you destroy pallets and how fast you can vault windows, you can just get such great value out of it at the end of the day. But... Once again, to each their own, I just think that Singularity is pretty much the epitome of that. You can make arguments about Wraith, Sadako, Freddy, and the list goes on for a couple of other killers that have the ability to navigate the map. But that is who I would personally recommend. So, Merciless Storm. So, when a generator reaches 90% per... Sorry, my cat just walked in front of me. 90% progress. Survivors working on the generator will be faced with... Continuous skill checks. If they miss or stop repairing, the generator is blocked for, by the entity for 20 seconds. So I would go and say that there's no other killer that should receive this perk than Doctor himself. Doctor it rocks this perk extremely well. Even at the higher level, you still see survivors miss. Even I miss in certain instances, so I'm not perfect either. Sometimes it just gets the best of you, especially when you're focused on the killer because they're, you know, 32 meters chasing a 
teammate of yours and you're injured and you got to be essentially focused on multiple areas at once, it can become a little bit difficult, but I would say doctor is the prime example for running a perk such as this. I've also heard arguments to run Merciless Storm with Mastermind and then you can run Unnerving Presence. So there are technically anomaly examples if you want to, but I would say Doctor is the best example for this situation. As a matter of fact, I think I always run this perk when I play as Doctor. So, I, I, number one recommendation, but moving forward to Monitor and Abuse. Monitor Chase, your terror radius is increased by 8 meters, otherwise your terror radius is decreased by 8 meters. And your field of view is increased by 10 degrees. So, I actually hate this perk, and let me explain why. The reason I hate this perk is actually because of the field of view increase. So it's kind of weird because this actually goes back and forth. It's not just, hey, your field of view is increased by 10 degrees. It's saying your terror radius is decreased by 8 meters and your field of view is increased by 10 degrees. So it actually goes in and out between chases and not chases. So it really fucks with me when I'm in a chase and I drop chase and then I go back into a chase and you must see like re-warping. Maybe I'm on some... Some good, good, some that good stuff. But I am convinced that happens, and that I'm not misreading this description, and that that actually happens. And it is because of that that I do not run this perk. Otherwise, I would continue to run it on other kills. I thought it was great on Deathslinger back in the day. I would really like to run this on Xenomorph because you actually get a decreased hair radius when you are in crawler mode. But I don't want to keep going in and out of the field of view. So I think they should just get rid of that aspect. But other than that, I'm content with it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine by me. I just want a little update to that. But it's so bad on Doctor when you're not in chase because you're zapping. You're like, oh, no one's around. Obviously, when you're in a chase, it's a little bit better. But that's besides the point. But, yeah, no, any killer with a lower terror radius, it just becomes smaller. And then you can kind of get the drop on certain survivors, as I mentioned, with the whole Deathslinger thing. So, I definitely think that there is value to be made. I have literally seen people do it with, I think, Ghostface, right? If you're crouched, there's actually an add-on to decrease your terror radius while crouched. And then you can run the add-on that makes you essentially crouch faster. And then you're running this. And then you're essentially getting all this value from all these things at once. And then there's some niche examples. But... Once again, it's been a while since I played DVD. I'm just going off of my general memory, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in any capacity, but I do believe that is the case. Moving on to the Nemesis. A survivor blinds you or stuns you while using a pallet or locker becomes your obsession. Anytime a new survivor becomes the obsession, they are affected by the oblivious status effect for 60 seconds, and their aura is shown to you for 4 seconds. So I think there's a couple killers that gain value out of this. You can argue every killer, right? Because you can run Rancor and Nemesis together and then you just gain this immense value because you're going to get blinded or stunned and the next thing you know it's endgame and then you're the obsession and if you're injured and you're going against a nurse and you go down in 0.2 seconds then you get more and it's already over. Another example that I would like to give is I think this perk actually works best for Pyramid Head. The reason being is because if you run Enduring and Nemesis together and you get stunned by a survivor... Next thing you know, you're whipping out your power, and you can see them through the wall, and then you can accurately predict where the survivor is on the other side of the wall. And then, more often than not, you're going to get a free hit, which is always nice. So, I will always go and say that Nemesis is perfect on Pyramid Head when you stack with Enduring, but obviously there's other killers that you can run it with. Once again, if you ran it on Nurse, and you only used one blink, well, you know exactly where that survivor is to use your next blink, because you ran Enduring and Nemesis together. 
And obviously you're going to get value out of those things because if you get blinded by a flashlight, you also get value out of it. So you're going to know where they are through the wall for a couple seconds. So there are killers where you do get value out of it, but all in all, it's not a perk that I would recommend to people. It's very niche. I use it, but once again, it's only on Pyramid Head. So I, th I definitely think it's one of those niche perks, but definitely something that you can run if you would like to. One of my favorite perks in the game, once again, no way out. When a survivor interacts with an exit gate switch, you receive a loud noise notification. The entity then blocks both exit gate switches for 12 seconds, plus an additional 12 seconds for each token in your possession. So for whatever reason, I thought that it was for 8 seconds, and then plus an additional 12 for each token in your possession. But apparently not, because I'm on the Papanias. I don't know why I thought that, but yep, so... At all, you can gain a full 60 seconds out of it because 12 times 5 equals 60, the simple math. Hopefully I didn't get that wrong, otherwise that'd be really embarrassing. 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, sounds right to me, so we're going to go with it. But no way out, one of my favorite perks in the game. It allows you to play nice while also getting value out of just playing the game as it should. So during endgame, you get a full 60 seconds to down a survivor, put them on the hook, maybe kill them. And then that's before they can even start working the exit gate. One of my favorite builds in Dead by Daylight, spoiler, is actually Terminus. Remember Me, No Way Out, and Blood Warden. And I'll be talking about Remember Me and Terminus a little bit later, but that is literally one of my favorite builds in Dead by Daylight. And Blood Warden really never gets value, but I still like having it. But Terminus is phenomenal. I prefer it over Noed. Remember Me is also exceptional. I still think that it needs a bit of a rework, and I'll get into that here soon. But I will... Continue to talk about No Way Out, and we'll just move on. So No Way Out, great perk. I actually would consider it to be one of the better perks in the game. If I had to put it on a tier list, I'd probably consider it A or even S. I think it's that good. But it's a damn good perk. I highly recommend it. You can use it on any killer in the game. Moving on to Nowhere to Hide. So whenever you damage a generator, reveal the auras of all survivors standing within 24 meters of your position for 5 seconds. Nowhere to Hide is really great on speed killers like Oni. Blight, Nurse, any killer where you can navigate the map at an extremely fast pace gets immense value out of it. However, just because I mentioned those killers does not mean that normal M1 killers do not get value out of it. I absolutely love it for normal M1 killers. I like it for Wesker, I like it for Nemi, I like it for Trapper, I like it for Wraith. I just like the general information. I hate survivors that hide. It pisses me off more than anything. I just want to be in the chase. I don't care if you're good in the chase. Or not. I just want to chase you. So, at the end of the day, give me the chase. And Nowhere to Hide really allows me to do that. It's actually why I hate Distortion so much. Because Distortion just counters all these aura reading perks. That's why I like Ultimate Weapon. Because it actually focuses on their screen. But now people are running Calm Spirit and Distortion. And trying to negate both. But that's okay. Because that's negating two whole perk slots. So they only have two to work with. But anywho. Nowhere to Hide. Very good perk. You can use it on any killer. But it's a lot more efficient on speed killers. Oppression. We're going to be talking about this a little bit in terms of a rework, but I want to start off with just the general description. When you damage a generator, up to three other random generators also begin regressing. If the affected generator is being repaired, any survivor repairing them receive a difficult skill check. Oppression has a cooldown of 80 seconds. So keep in mind, people, that up to three other random generators also begin regressing. I think that's a detail that a lot of people forget that oppression does. But I want to take it up a notch. I think that all generators should begin regressing. 
off of oppression, and then you can keep the cooldown on 80 seconds, and then keep everything else the same. I think that oppression is a really cool perk, and I really like the premise of it, but I would just like that minor tweak to it, and if you're not going to do that, give me a cooldown of 60 seconds. I think that is the trade-off, because it takes such a long time, but I think people fail to realize that regressing all generators at once from one kick is pretty significant, depending on how big the map is, and depending on what the survivors are focused on. Any killer that you want to kick a generator with, it's applicable for. It's a perk that I rarely run, but I think it's useful, and I think it has its applicability. I definitely think that it's something that also works well with surveillance, which is something that a lot of people don't consider, because surveillance, once you stop a generator from regressing, surveillance is going to cue that and say, hey, this particular generator is now reactivated, you should go here. Just something to keep in mind. I really like the synergy between oppression and surveillance. Surveillance is a perk that I don't see enough people use, but it is something I genuinely enjoy using. If I ever stream again, I will show a lot of these really cool builds that I use. What I just mentioned is one of them. Oppression with surveillance is great synergy, and I like putting that with Jolt. The synergy between the three is exceptional. But, once again, I'm just kind of naming these off as we come along. Oppression is applicable in any killer. Go for it. Have fun. Have the time of your life. I do not think it's a bad perk. I just think the cooldown's a bit ridiculous. Moving on to Overcharge. They absolutely demolished this perk. But the next survivor interacting with the generator is faced with a difficult skill check upon damaging the generator. Failing the skill check results in an additional 4% loss of progress. And for those who do not know, if you miss a skill check, you naturally get 10 so at that point, you're losing 14 loss of progress of the total generator. Progress, from my understanding, is not current, which is pretty significant. I think they need to rework that a little bit. But anyways, succeeding the skill check grants no progress, prevents the generator explosion. So it really just hurts noobs the most, in my opinion. After overcharge is applied to a generator, its regression speed is increases from 85% of normal to 130% of normal over the next 30 seconds. It's, you know, it is what it is. I don't hate the perk, don't love it. I, it was really just big when it was, you had Overcharge, Call Brian, you know, Oppression, all these perks that automatically were just used in every single 3-gen, but you don't really see these perks used anymore, and it's for the best. The the 3-gen meta was awful, especially with Old Eruption. Old Eruption was legitimately the most grueling perk to deal with in dbd and it was a really easy counter if you're on a swift but when you're in solo queue it was just pointless overwhelming presence just knowing that you're near is enough to disturb your victims survivors within your territory to suffer from inefficiency effective survivor item consumption rates is increased by 100 percent. so i want to give this perk a rework so, uh, Overwhelming Presence, this is my recommendation for it. I want it to be a good perk, and this is how you do it. So, let's reward it significantly. Survivors within your territory suffer from inefficiency. Affected survivors' item consumption drops at whatever percentage that behavior wants to set it to. So, just from being in the territory, you are losing your item consumption and that is overwhelming presence to me that is something that is actually applicable imagine having a med kit in the beginning of the match and you're playing against a wesker and he has a 400 meter radius 
and then bam, he's automatically in your Terrius, and you're losing out on your med kit already. Yes, argument to be made. Hey, well, guess what? I'm already. I can't even use that item anymore. Gosh, damn it, that sucks. Well, maybe that's kind of gonna help with counters. Like maybe bring an additional eight charges. And then, obviously, the counter naturally would be setting it down, just like Franklin's Demise. If you pick it back up and you set it back down, like, after you get hit, you're usually good. Or setting it down before you get hit, if you know someone has Franklin's Demise, that's the counter. Just have it dropped, and then use it when you know you're far away from the killer. That is the strat, but that is the rework I would do to Overwhelming Presence, because that would definitely make it a lot more applicable. Natural pressure on toolboxes, keys, medkits flashlights it is naturally going to cause them to regress on their progress like it's consuming the item naturally through my terror radius that would be phenomenal that is the rework i want whether or not it'd be I guess fun is a different argument to be made but that's kind of the whole you know incentivize people using certain perks to you know counter it for example like oh hey i'm gonna use well, i don't want to say perks but Using certain add-ons to essentially negate it some. Like batteries for the flashlights to increase it. Charges for, like for your med kit to, to just increase it. Toolbox, just yeah, increase it with certain add-ons. Just do that for everything. That, that That is the counter to that to some degree. And then obviously just drop it on the ground and only use it when you need to. And then you can make the counter to this by hiding in a locker. If you hide in a locker... It won't consume it. So you can just hide in a locker until the terrorist dissipates, and then bam, you're good. I think that having counters is important. But if I'm able to just have my terrorist scare a survivor enough to go into a locker so they don't lose out on their med kit or their toolbox, then I am applying natural pressure. And I know that is a hot take, what I just said about this perk and the rework that I want. But I want diversity. I want every perk to be applicable in some way, and that is my recommendation for it. Play with your food. You become obsessed with one survivor. Every time you chase your obsession and let them escape, you receive a token up to a max of three tokens. Each token increases your movement speed by 5%. Performing a basic or special attack spends one token. This is one of the only perks in the entire game where I am content with the whole obsession aspect. It's a cool concept. I don't mind it. However, what I will say is that I think almost all of the obsession-based perks, besides this one, should probably go. I think there are very, 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 very few obsessions, and Rancor is another one of those that are technically an exception. This perk promotes not necessarily bad activity, unlike a bunch of other ones, and that is why I'm okay with it. So, play with your food is totally fun the way it is. I think it's applicable on just about any killer. I actually like the perk. You can actually run, you know, other perks to technically synergize with it. Like, I think Skull Merchant has a perk where it's, I can't remember it because I literally essentially do not follow Skull Merchant at all. I did right when the chapter came out, but then I just forgot she even existed due to the trauma that she imposed during her three-gen reign of terror. But one of her perks, if you're chasing a survivor long enough, they become the obsession. So technically you get value out of it if they're your most chased survivor. You just keep breaking chase and then bam, go back and forth. And if they're your most chased survivor, then odds are they're probably good enough where they're going to probably want to stick around and try to force you to chase them a little bit more, therefore granting you free stacks that you can use against them or someone else. So it's not a bad idea. I apologize that I can't remember the name. Maybe it'll be here a little bit later on. I'll be like, oh, that's what it is. 
All right, Popka is the weasel, so another phenomenal perk. They've done a lot of reworking on this throughout the time of playing DBD. So currently, we are after hooking a survivor, the next generator, you damage instantly loses 30% of its current progress. Normal generator regression applies after the ge damage generator action. Popka is the weasel is activated for or active for 45 seconds after the survivor is hooked. It's Arguments can be made, it's fine just the way it is. You don't know unless you're running Tinker or you just have this natural in-game knowledge of where survivors are working generators to know where to go to pop the right generator. Sometimes you also have to pick and choose because there's two that are almost done. Which one am I going to make it to? Which one do I want to hold for a possible 3-gen? These are questions to ask yourself. It's a good perk and it gains very little value if it's pretty much fully regressed. So... I think the perk is pretty fair, pretty fine. It does hurt, though, when you're like 95% plus, and then they pop your generator, and you're like, damn, all that progress for nothing. All right, moving on to Predator. Actually, uh, I'll add one quick note to Pop Goes the Weasel, is that it's useful on any killer. I, that's why I didn't really go too much into it. But moving on to Predator, your acute tracking abilities allow you to hone in on disturbances left by running survivors. Scratch marks left by survivors will spawn considerably closer together. So I've seen plenty of scenarios where this has actually hurt me because of them actually being closer together. I've been unable to see them and what direction they're actually going. So I've actually lost survivors in the past. However, I think that this perk needs a complete, complete rework. And I say this for two reasons. First of all, I am a Wraith main. I'm literally a P100 Wraith main. Granted, I don't really play DBD anymore, but Wraith is probably one of my favorite killers of all time. Xenomorph, I played a couple games with him. I absolutely love him. He's probably up there for me as well now. But Wraith is up there, and therefore I want Wraith to have one good perk. Wraith's perks suck, people. Obviously, Shadowborn is an exception because Shadowborn is Shadowborn. It's fun. It's amazing. I love it. It's one of my favorite perks in the game. But all it does is FOV, which we're naturally going to get later down the road. So I'm actually going to be talking about the possible rework for that as well. But Predator needs a complete rework. And I have... But the slightest idea of what you could really do for that, I could, you know, say a million different things. But really, there's nothing to go off of unless you want to say, like, a, a physical path. Unless you're going to, like, create a literal path instead of scratch marks. Like, a fucking beam of light line where I can see exactly where the survivor is going. Predator isn't going to be very effective. So... You can make arguments just to truly make it like more noticeable with like an actual beam of light, like I just said. But I want this to be a legitimately good perk. I want a complete rework on this perk in every way, shape, or form. I want this perk to be disgusting. I want this perk to go all the way up to A tier. It's like called Predator. Like, that is a badass name. You're telling me a badass perk name like Predator. Scratch marks are left by survivors respond because it's really close together. Yes, technically it makes sense because you're a predator, you're stalking your prey. I understand the premise of it, but I think that it, it needs some sort of rework in some capacity. I don't know what it is, genuinely. This is one of those only times where I'm like, damn, I am stumped. But it needs some sort of crazy rework, and I need it to be crazy good. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing Adept Challenges and you're doing Wraith, you're like, damn, I have like three of the worst perks in the game, and I'm using fucking Wraith. Like, what? I'm not saying Wraith is bad. I actually think Wraith is rather good. I think people sleep on Wraith. But, like, Wraith and Huntress have some of the worst perks in the game. They're just awful. You're just like, why? Why is this the way it is? And obviously, we'll get into those perks at some point. 
but it's heinous. It is absolutely heinous. I, I don't even know what to recommend. It is a lost cause. Just a complete rework behavior. Consider something. Like, literally, it's one of the only times I'm stumped. Like I said, unless you're setting up an, an actual beam of light to actually show exactly where the survivor went. I don't know. The, the only other thing that I could recommend off the top of my head is once you re reach Bloodlust with a survivor, you can see their aura until they, you lose the Bloodlust. But obviously that's going to be kind of broken, so you have to like figure out, like, hey, are we going to rework Bloodlust? Because I still think that needs to happen. Like, Because I think there should only be a Bloodlust 1. I think we should get rid of Bloodlust 2 and Bloodlust 3. Because what happens is if a killer really wants to down you, instead of kicking the pallet, they'll just go all the way up to Bloodlust 3 and wrap you and wrap you and wrap you until they catch up to you and down you. So what Predator would do is you you are obviously we're changing slash reworking Bloodlust where you only go up to 1 now, and you can see the aura of any survivor that you're in a Bloodlust chase with. I don't think it's a bad idea, but that's the only thing I can physically think of off the top of my head. Besides a little beam of light showing where the survivor's path is. Because I don't know otherwise. Once again, not my best recommendation. But nevertheless, something's got to be done. Rancor, you become obsessed with one survivor. Each time a generator is complete, your obsession sees your aura for three seconds. Each time a generator is complete, all survivor's locations are revealed to you for three seconds. Once the exit gates are powered, the obsession has the exposed status. And you can kill them. So, both a blessing and a curse. It has a little bit of good synergy with certain perks that change your obsession. Such as Nemesis and couple other perks in the game so there is value to be made off of this especially with the perk that i mentioned with skull merchant that i still can't think of the name of for the life of me but rancor does have its applicability it feels kind of cheesy when you haven't been hooked a single time all match because i've definitely seen killers run save the best for last and rancor together and the next thing you know they didn't hit you all game and then you run into them and they have rancor and then you instantly die and then you're like wow i didn't get chased the whole game anywho that, that happens it's unfortunate but Rancor is, it's a perk that you can technically use for anyone, but since you get exposed, I would more so recommend it for M1 killers. It's not a perk I run, so I can't really say too much on it beyond the fact that stick to M1 killers is probably for the best, but it doesn't necessarily have to. It, it's really impressive with Nurse or Blade because you're going to down survivors naturally pretty fast. So Rapid Brutality. So... This is a perk I actually really want to actually divulge into. I've done a little bit of testing upon my return, and I want to talk on this a little bit. So you can no longer gain Bloodlust, which is crazy, people. So Bloodlust is a very important mechanic in Dead by Daylight, but I definitely do think there are killers in the game that benefit greatly from this. Hitting Survivor with the basic attack gives you 5% haste for 10 seconds. So I've definitely seen Rapid Brutality get its value. But I also think that <clears throat> Save the Best for Last is arguably better than Rapid Brutality because of the time that you are technically saving based off of hitting survivors, and then you still gain Bloodlust. However, if you are going to use it, and I still like it, and I still use it, I, there are two killers that I really like using it for. First and foremost, Doctor, because when you go to Shocker Survivor, you're using your power, therefore you're losing your ability of Bloodlust. And since you're only M1 attacking survivors, you get value out of it. The other killer that I like using it for is Pyramid Head, ironically enough, because I would never use it for... I would never use Save the Best for Last for Pyramid Head, and when you're going down and using your power for 
trying to get some, you know, a punishment of the damned attack on a survivor. Or I think that is what it's called. Once again, correct me if I'm wrong. My DVD intellect has depleted drastically. It is quite shameful, as a matter of fact. But the reason I actually recommend Pyramid Head is because you will see that you will drop your power as Pyramid Head. And then next thing you know, the survivor starts going left and right. You want to avoid missing with your power, so you just release it, and then normal M1 them, and then you gain distance on them, and it's not like, oh, i got to save my stacks for save the best for last. So I think you get some value of it with Pyramid Head, but Doctor is obviously the best because you're in a shock and you're not going to get your blood lost because you're using power just like you would for Pyramid Head with the Punishment of the Damned. So I definitely think those killers in particular get value out of it. You can make an argument for Deathslinger, but I prefer you getting Bloodlust with Deathslinger because he is a 4.4 meter per second killer, and any killer that is not 4.6 for me, personally, I think deserves <laughs> Bloodlust because there are situations where it's nice to have. But once again, uh, at the end of the day, I understand arguments can be made both ways. I am saying what feels best for me based off of my experimentation since I've came back to Dead by Daylight with these perks. And that is just my personal opinion. But obviously, you know, you're going to, I'm sure there's a Deathslinger main out there that is like Rapid Brutality is one of the best perks for Deathslinger. And I believe it, right? You're moving up 4.6, right? Yeah, because 5% haste. So you're moving up 4.6 for 10 seconds. <clears throat> and that's probably pretty nice for Deathslinger. So it's not like it's bad. And I guess you're not getting bloodlust with Deathslinger when you are, you know, using your power. So arguments can obviously be made. But I'm just saying, like, for me, I'm already using Save the Best for Last, so I don't really ever feel the need to use it, if that makes sense. I'm get I'm getting my value from Save, not necessarily Rapid Brutality. I guess if you use Rapid Brutality alone, maybe that's when Army can be made that it's a little bit better. But I only use Save for Deathslinger when I'm running him because I just like the whole M1 immediately shoot down a survivor instantly. It just feels really satisfying, really good. So I'm going to stick with my guns here and say that it's best on Doctor and pretty damn good on Pyramid Head. Moving on to Remember Me. So my, my big, big issue with it is the obsession aspect that I'll divulge into in a second. Each time your obsession loses a health state, gain one token up to four tokens. Each token increases the opening time of the exit gates by six seconds up to a maximum of 24 additional seconds. My problem is the obsession is not affected by Remember Me. That's fucking stupid. I hate it. 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 Anytime the obsession is not affected by my perk, I just think that is absolutely ridiculous. I think that the value of it is should remain with that because otherwise I'm incentivized to tunnel the obsession out of the game because then I, the obsession doesn't have any opportunity to open the exit gates in the end game. Therefore... Saving myself the the worry that they're going to just open the exit gates immediately if I'm using just remember me instead of no way out. So something just to keep in mind that it definitely incentivizes tunneling and that's something I'm always trying to avoid when I'm playing Dead by Daylight. But the perk itself technically incentivizes it by saying that. But yeah, remember me can be used on any killer so I wouldn't worry about saying, oh, I can only use it on this killer because it's whenever they lose a health state. I guess you can make an argument that insta-down killers would be bad for it. The reason being is because you might not gain those four tokens. So you probably want to err towards killers that don't insta-down. But you can obviously, even with insta-down killers, just not 
do an instant out effect like for Bubba, just hit him with your hammer instead of downing him with your chainsaw. But once again, obviously these are things you have to keep in mind when you're using perks like these and what kind of synergy you want to have with them. And you, you keep these things in mind if you're running a match. Like if I see my obsession, I'm going to remember me as Bubba. I'm probably going to M1 them if I have enough pressure on the map. But <clears throat> either way, I would just avoid it entirely. But that's just my personal opinion. So see the best for last, ironically enough, where I'm going to talk about a rework that needs to happen for this. You become obsessed with one survivor or any token for each successful basic attack that is not dealt to the obsession. Each token gains a stackable 5% decrease successful basic attack cooldown. You can earn up to 8 tokens. Hitting your obsession with a basic attack will cause you to lose 2 tokens. You can no longer gain tokens if your obsession is sacrificed or killed. I think the design of this should be exactly like Remember Me if you hit the survivor... That is run and remember me four times. You get up the to four tokens and then that is the stackable 5% throughout the match. <clears throat> the reason I recommend this is because I can't tell you how many times I've seen a killer with eight stacks of save the best for last. Literally camp a hook and prevent survivors from doing anything. And so if I can just get up the four and I think you could even make the conditions a little bit more steep. I, you can make the argument that it's per hook state. So you could say that it goes up to four and it's per hook state. So I have to get four hook states just to get value out of saving the best for last. And get rid of the whole obsession quirk entirely. And that way I'm still getting my value and plus I'm able to play a little bit nicer. So I think there needs to be a bit of a rework because I see more negatives than positives when it comes to the utilization of save. And plus, when I see people use it, it's using a link Demogorgon and Deathslinger, which I do enjoy quite a lot. But I still think a rework needs to be done for it. Any killer that technically has a power should not have saved the best for last. I know that sounds crazy, people, because there is no better feeling than having eight stacks on Demogorgon and just instantly shredding people with your normal M1 basic attack. However, when you're not using your power, you're probably getting less value out of that killer overall. So you have to keep that in mind. If you, your killer has a power, you should probably use it. That's how you're going to get better at the game and apply more pressure on the map. Like Nemesis, I see people use save. I see people use it for Wesker, but it's not. That, that's not what you should be doing. You should be using their power. And well, obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's entitled to their playstyle, and always respect that. But that is the technical best competitive approach to the game. But obviously, don't get me wrong. I like having eight stacks as much as the next person, so I get it. But it's best utilized on M1 killers, ironically enough, like Freddy, like Wraith, you know, killers that, you know, have to do your core functions. Now I gotta hit, then I gotta chase, then I gotta hit again. But we're gonna be moving on to our Scorch hooks here. Floods of Rage, at the start of the trial, up to four random hooks are changed into Scorch hooks. You see their orders in white. So when a survivor is unhooked from a Scorch Hook, all other survivors have their auras revealed for 7 seconds. I really, really like this perk. I think it's really nice. It is really unfortunate when you pick up a survivor and then they unhook and you gain absolutely zero value out of it besides you just looking around to see where the survivors are going or at. But it still feels like you're not getting as much value because I love using this on Uni. It's my favorite perk to run on Uni because the survivor will be trying to hide when you're in your power. It's a free down. It's phenomenal. It's exceptional. It's beautiful. Blight's not bad, Nurse isn't bad, but really at the end of the day, it's applicable on any killer. It's a good perk, especially if you're running other Scorch Hook perks with it. It's nice. 
Let's move on to Scorch Hook, Gift of Pain. At the start of the trial, if the four random hooks are changed into Scorch Hooks, you see the auras in white. When a survivor is unhooked from Scorch Hook, they suffer from the hemorrhage and mangled status effect until fully healed. The first time the survivor is healed, they suffer a 16% speed penalty to healing and repairing actions until injured. Again, I really like this perk. I use it on Wraith. I think it's nice and nifty. I like it. It's fun. It's good on Uni as well because of the whole gift and pain aspect because you're suffering from those effects. Therefore, it takes longer to heal. Therefore, you're getting more value. And if they do heal, you're getting... You're, having them suffer that 16% speed penalty to healing and repairing. So it's nice. I like it. It's a fun perk. It's a, a good perk. But once again, I use it on killers where I can maneuver the map a little bit more. But that's obviously in this situation, it's different because I'm referring to if I'm stacking it with Floods of Rage but let's just say I'm running this perk alone. I'd like it on stealth killers, Ghostface, Wraith, Sadako. Killers that are going to be able to sneak up on survivors and take advantage of those effects. And if they're not suffering from those effects and they're fully healed, well, guess what? I'm probably going to focus on the injured survivors a little bit more because I know that they are dealing with a major speed penalty to repairing actions and healing. Moving forward to Scorch Hook Hangman's Trick. So, gain a notification when a survivor begins to sabotage a hook while carrying a survivor. See the auras of any survivors within 12 meters of a scorched hook. So, I think that this perk needs a complete rework again. So, they changed the scorch hook to try to make it a little bit better. They increased the range to make it a little bit better. But, all in all, this perk still sucks. Uh, so, this is one of those perks that's kind of niche because... The design was to kind of, you know, do the whole anti-sabbing strat. You know, get notifications early on so you can go somewhere else or when you see a survivor run into the hook. But at the end of the day, who cares about that? Who cares? You know why? Because at the end of the damn day, you're typically going to see them. If they're that stealthy about it, good for them. But I've noticed that in most instances, besides like Midwitch or those anomaly maps, you're going to be within reach of another hook. It happens pretty often. Obviously, in other anomalies, if you already killed a survivor and that hook is disappears from the map, which I think they should completely get rid of because all that forces is slugging. If a survivor gets killed on one hook, I should just be able to hook the survivor on that same hook so I don't have to worry about slugging them for the remainder of the trial. But to each their own, I suppose... Comes down to strats. You know, I'm going to run, boil over, and flip-flop, and I'm going to hide in this corner of the map, and you can't hook me because you killed a person on the same corner of the map. But, okay, go crazy. But I think this perk does deserve a complete rework, and I would probably recommend something that wouldn't even be a scorch hook. I think we just need to do Hangman's Trick. So, I think that what's gonna what should happen is that while a survivor is hooked... All survivors within, let's just say, just, let's just test the typical 12 meters. All survivors within 12 meters of a hook, while a survivor is hooked, their auras are revealed to you constantly. Constantly until they're unhooked. That way you're getting constant aura reading on survivors if they pass another hook or they do anything along those lines. That way... If they're, you, you can cut someone off if they're trying to wrap around to get the unhook. Obviously, that's a bit oppressive and could lead to area zoning. 
especially if the information on every survivor, but I'm trying to think of a way to make it more impressive, and that's the best way I could think of it. And then you may even increase the range of the meters to between that and the hooks of revealing survivors to 16 even, make it more impressive, because the counter is obviously just unhook, and obviously you're going to have perks like Distortion that people are still going to continue to run that are going to negate this very perk. But I definitely think that would be better than what we currently have, because I don't give a damn why I'm trying to hook a survivor where other survivors are. But, you know, to each their end, I suppose. In terms of cures that would get value out of it, in my hypothetical rework situation, any perk with some sort of maneuverability or teleportation. But you have to move on to Scorch Hook Monster Shrine. At the start of the trial, once again, you get four random hooks that are changed into score hooks, Scorch Hooks. So Scorch Hooks grant 20% faster entity progression if the killer is not within 24 meters, and basement hooks count as Scorch Hooks. So for example, if I have Pain Res and Monster Shrine as two perks, and I hook a survivor in the basement, I get Pain Res value, which is kind of nice. It's not bad. I actually do not mind this perk. I actually think that you can get value out of this in certain instances. I do not think it should give you a proc that you are on a monstrous hook shrine. I think that's a bit silly because then you tell your teammates, hey, this they have monstrous shrine and I'm going to essentially go to second 20% faster, so please help me out. Obviously, the exception is if you're within 24 meters, then it's going to happen at a normal rate. But I think that this perk should be hidden. I think the only time you should be able to figure out is if hypothetically you unhook someone from a basement or is revealed or something like that. And you're like, oh, that's weird. How come the killer has my aura? Because I have objects of obsession or distortion and I see it pop up. And then I'm like, oh, he's floods in range plus monster shrine. And I know this because I just unhooked from the basement. But once again, that's just my two cents on it. I think that arguments can be made that monster shrine is good on any killer that you're not going to camp with. So I would say any killer, really. But. Moving on to one of the best perks in the game, Scorch Hook Pain Res. You start the trial with four tokens. First time, each survivor is hooked on a Scorch Hook, lose one token, and the generator with the most progress explodes, instantly losing 25% progress. It will start the regress. Once you have no tokens, Pain Resonance deactivates for the rest of the trial. It's a pretty damn good perk. I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic, phenomenal. It's very, very good. It definitely takes its toll on the survivors when you get the value all four times, and it promotes positive gameplay because if you just tunnel someone out of the match and you allow pretty much all the generators to get completed and you don't get the next down before the exit gates proc, well, you're in trouble, and you got new value out of your perk. So it definitely promotes positive activity, so it's just something that's nice. It's obviously good on any killer. It's very, very nice. I'd highly recommend it if you're ever trying to... I run a very hardcore competitive match. But, yeah, run it on any killer. I love it. I run it pretty often. I feel like it's very fair now. I actually felt like it was a bit unfair before, and I think they put it in a really good state. The Land of Shadows subsumes all. I literally haven't read the description all day, but I just wanted to read that description because that went hard. Healing only delays the inevitable. Whenever a survivor performs a healing action within your Terroritus, that survivor suffers from blindness and exhaustion. These effects linger for 10 seconds after a healing action is interrupted by any means. So my problems with this perk is that it's literally for 10 seconds. Septic touch should be the equivalent of blood echo, in my opinion. I think it should be a major detriment to your exhaustion. I think it should be a major de detriment to your blindness. I think it should be for 60 seconds. 
Why is it such a short period of time? Make it so I gain value out of Blood Echo and Septic Touch regardless. I think that I should be able to gain immense value just by allowing them to heal. And then, if guess what? If Leverage gets reworked and I run Septic Touch with Leverage and I'm playing really nice, then it's going to take longer for them to heal and then they naturally deal with the exhaustion. That would be fantastic. Septic Touch just needs a lot longer of a window. That's what needs to happen. But I think it needs to go a step farther. I think it's whenever a survivor performs a healing action, period. I think that it promotes being injured. So you're just having survivors just exhausted just from healing each other. And if they want to use their exhaustion, well, they may have to stay injured. And you know what? Guess what? Vigil is a great counter to something like this. You gain your exhaustion back faster. You're going to not be blind as long. These are obvious counters to perks. Buff Septic Touch. Vigil becomes more applicable. Bam. Solution solved. Obviously, this is my opinion. At the end of the day, you don't have to agree with it. I'm just, I want perks to be stronger. I want them to be used more. Because I've only seen Septic Touch, once again, used once. And literally, I think a year and a half, and it was from a spirit on Garden of Joy. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was so noticeable because I was like, Septic Touch? What is that? I've never seen anyone use it in my life. But on to one of the greatest perks in the game, Shadowborn. You have a keen vision in the darkness of the night. Your field of vision is 15 degrees wider than normal. It does not stack with other FOV increases. So, obviously the perk's fine just the way it is. But, we, I suppose we are going to get an FOV adjuster. But, I don't know if that's actually confirmed. I think that is confirmed. But, I'm not going to make recommendations until it physically happens. But, Shadowborn will obviously need a major rework when that occurs. Because, obviously, it will be no longer necessary as a perk once the rework happens and FOV slider has been incorporated. But I think the FOV slider is necessary because it's actually very important for certain people. If you hear their stories about their their physical health, Shadowborn is something that certain people actually have to run. So I think we need to actually be more respectful. And this perk is needs to be something that's actually base kit. Because I know there's people out there in the gaming community that can only run three perks because they have to run Shadowborn. I like Shadowborn. It's one of my favorite perks in the game because it just makes my FOV look better. And coming from a Call of Duty background, I like being able to tweak my FOV. So, obviously, I'm just biased, but I think there's reasons beyond just it looking cool why it would be helpful. But until it gets the FOV rework, then we'll come back to a possible rework. But I don't know if that day will ever come, but we are hopeful. Shattered Hope to capture your prey. Uh, I, now I'm just reading it because I read such a cool one for the septic touch. So I'm just going to jump into the description. Whenever you snuff a boon totem, that totem is destroyed instead. When you destroy a boon totem this way, the yours of all survivors inside the boon totem range are revealed to you for 8 seconds. Alright, so I think that Shattered Hope should receive a rework. I think we need to get rid of the whole concept of boon totems. I know this sounds crazy. But I think that I should be able to destroy my own dull totems. I don't want them to be boon totems. I want them to be normal totems I can destroy. And then make it an extra incentive if it is a boon totem. So let's just say you keep that. I think that if you destroy a totem, you make all survivors oblivious for 45 seconds. Because you only can do it five times throughout the trial because there's only five totems. And plus... And there is a literal strategic advantage to doing this. If you run Noed, by the way, I guess this is where the game could get really broken, and this is why they might have to 
keep in mind to do this. So, but you could technically snuff four totems and then specifically leave a fifth one available and try to lure a survivor onto this side of the map. Or if you are holding a three gen and the just so happens that this totem is over there by the fact that you've snuffed all the other ones and ensured to hold on to his three gen. Right when the last gen pops, you gain no ed value and hit a survivor, and you know where it's at, you hook him right there, and then no one can do anything. However, I think that, at the end of the day, Shattered Hope needs a rework. I don't know if my suggestion is the right way to go, but it would still be something for me to do. I don't know. I just think that would be nice. It's not, once again, the best suggestion in the world, but it is something. It is, it is something to make it more applicable, to make more people use it. If I can decide at any point in time to make all survivors oblivious for 45 seconds or 30 seconds, I think there's going to be more value there. And that is something that I genuinely would be interested in running as a killer. Because I think the oblivious status effect is one of the best status effects you can impose on the survivor. And so that way, I would be able to dictate when I want to sneak up on a survivor. And I think that would be nice. Let's move on to Sloppy Butcher. Increases the range which healing progression is lost from hemorrhage by 25%. And then it causes the hemorrhage of mangled status effect. And they're removed once you're fully healed. This perk is, it's fine. It's, I, it's good on the M1 killer. I have no problems with it. I know some people complain about it, but I think there's counters to it. Like we'll make it and body knowledge and there's other perks. So I don't really complain about it too much because there are counters. Spice from the Shadow. 100% of the time, calling crows give you a visual cue when you are within a 36 meter range. Spice from the Shadows has a cooldown of 5 seconds. I would increase that range significantly. Make it 72. I want to actually gain value out of it on the map. So give me a little bit of a buff there. I've actually used it before. I like the perk. Increase the range. <clears throat> Spirit Fury. After you break 2 pallets, next time you are stunned by a pallet, the entity will instantly break the pallet. You still suffer from the stun effect penalty. I think it's great with Enduring. I think it's great with Enduring and Hubris. It's a fun perk. It's great with Hillbilly if you're running that add-on. All in all, I have no complaints with this perk. I think it's a fun little build that you can run if you're running a combination of a couple perks pluses. You can technically use it on any killer. Let's move on to Starstruck. One of my favorite builds in DBD history is with this perk. While well, can't survive any other survivors within your terror radius suffer from the exposed status effect, the effect persists for 30 seconds on survivors who leave your terror radius as well as those within the radius when you hook or release the carried survivor. Starstruck has a cooldown of 60 seconds once the survivor is no longer carried. So the reason why this perk in particular is one of my favorite perks in the entire game is because I can run this perk on Wraith, my P100 killer, and it is... It won the most oppressive builds that I've came across ever in DBD. I, and I will die on that hill. I will literally die on that hill. The reason I will die on that hill is because I literally, before I quit DBD, went on over a 150 win streak with this build. This meme build that I literally just used for fun, I have not lost with, ever. I've literally used it against friends who knew what I was running, and they still lost. It is disgusting. So I run Starstruck, Agitation, Iron Grasp, and Awakened Awareness with the coxcomb clapper and the ghost so the, essentially the premise of this build is to starstruck any survivor use agitation to increase my terror radius stealth myself with wraith and then maneuver to a part of the map where i know survivor went because of awakened awareness or 
because I saw the survivor when they were hiding from me when I went to go hook a survivor, get the free down, head over to the survivor, use my silent bill to get a free down on a survivor, and it is literally foolproof. Uh, 150 plus wins in a row with this meme build. It is literally disgusting. I will die on the hill. That's one of my favorite builds I've ever used in DVD. No, I literally use it for fun. I don't even use it to win, but I have legitimately kept track because I literally I won like 15 in a row. I said, oh my gosh, I, I got to start tracking this. And then I tracked it and I just couldn't lose. Could not lose. I'm not trying to boost. I'm just saying for whatever reason, this build is disgusting. This is literally the grossest build I've ever used ever. And I don't know why it's so gross. Like literally, <clears throat> best build ever. You heard it here first from a Wraith mean. This build is disgusting. But, anywho, I digress. It's good on any killer that has a big Terrius, like Wesker, but I would always stick to M1 killers because it's only going to be applicable for M1 attacks. So you do have to keep that in mind. So, it probably wouldn't be as great on Wesker, obviously, for the fact that, you know, he has a power, but you can still, obviously, M1, and if you know they're starstruck and you have a free down, you're not going to use your power, you're just going to M1 them. So... Obviously, it's good on killers like Wesker, but stick to M1s and you'll probably be fine. I like it on Trapper, too, because you scare survivors with Starstruck, and then they might get a little lazy, run into a trap, and then put you in a good position. Strider. Strider is something that was used a lot more back in the day when it was buffed and used for spirit, but breathing of survivors in pain is 50% louder, and regular breathing is 25% louder. It's a fine perk, but I never see it used anymore, ever since they nerfed it, and only spirits ever used it. It's, it's whatever. I mean, if, if you're still going to use it, you can use it on Spirit, but that's about it. I wouldn't really use it in any other situation, especially with Spirit literally having add-ons that just literally make it easier for you to detect where survivors are with the nerf of the amulet, if I remember correctly. Uh, there's a bunch of Spirit's add-ons got nerfed, so... I, I do believe the amulet did get nerfed, but I don't think that's the perk I'm referring to. But you'll be able to see the aura of any survivor. Not the aura, but the killer instinct of a survivor within three meters of them. I don't think it's the amulet. I think the amulet was the endur the extension, and that got nerfed with them actually fixing spirits add-ons. But either way, it's 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 a fun perk. I mean, it, it's if you have a bad headset go for it, I guess, you know, if you're like, man, I can't hear people, you know, it's kind of the equivalent of Shadowborn, it's like, uh, you're using it for the quality of life, that's about it, use it on any killer, have fun, go crazy, but superior anatomy, so I love this on Michael Myers, and I'll get into the ultimate build with Michael Myers with this, when a survivor performs a fast vault, when 8 meters of you, this perk activates, the next time you vault a window, your vaulting speed is increased by 40%, so if you're a tier 3 Michael Myers and you run a superior anatomy, you can run fire up. I don't think you need it. But I think a legitimately good build with Michael Myers, if you're trying to go on a win streak, and I did go on a win streak with him. I went on a 22 win streak with Michael Myers with Corrupt Intervention, Bamboozle, Superior Anatomy, and Pain Resonance. With this literally yellow and green add-ons for Michael Myers. You don't have to do anything crazy. So, Superior Anatomy is phenomenal, Michael Myers, especially when he's Tier 3. I highly recommend it. It's definitely the route to go. It's fantastic. Love it. Definitely great for him. But, it's obviously not bad for other killers, right? You can still use this person other killers. If you really just like the genuine M1 chase, 
you do a little mind game at the window, and then you vault it a little bit faster. The survivor's caught off guard. They can't make it to the pallet on time because of your increased vault speed because of the combination of that and bamboozle. And maybe you don't even run bamboozle with it. Maybe you just stick to that. And then you, you get a nice little hit. It, it's useful. It's nice. On the surveillance. So surveillance, as you all heard me mention, I think it's great with oppression, but it unlocks potential ones or reading abilities. Any regression generator will be highlighted by a white aura. If the regression is interrupted on a generator, it will be highlighted by a yellow aura for 16 seconds. Noise created by generator repairs are audible at an additional 8 meters. So you have those things going for you. It's a nice little perk. It was actually used a little bit more back in the day. I think in its ultimate form, surveillance with Rune Undying was phenomenal because in the beginning of a match, survivors would check if Rune was in play. And then that would automatically give me info of where the survivor was because surveillance would proc. So I thought it was great back in the day when that was the meta. So that was super fun, super cool. But now I think that you're going to get more value out of it with Joel and Oppression and Perks along those lines. So you can also, with Pain Res, isn't out of the realm of possibility. And naturally, if you kick a generator and then a Spire Hoss back on it, you're going to know. It's not a bad perk. You can use it on just about anyone. But, you know, obviously, movement killers are more ideal because you can get to that part of the map more quicker. But teach their own. Terminus, one of my favorite endgame perks. So when exit gates are powered, this perk activates. When Terminus is active, injured, down, and hooked survivors inflicted with the broken stats until the exit gates are open. So pretty much means that you're going to stay injured if you become injured after the exit gates are powered until the exit gates are open. And then you still stay broken for an additional 30 seconds. It's a really good perk. It applies a lot of good pressure. It can't just be cleansed like your typical no-ed. And especially when you stack it with a Remember Me and No Way Out, it's pretty much a guaranteed win condition. And you can literally, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of gross, but if you literally hook a survivor and everyone's injured already, no one can get that unhook. It's it's impossible. It's a free kill. So let's just say there's three survivors left. You hook them before No Way Out even procs. You literally just wait the 60 seconds when everyone's injured. That survivor dies. You deal with two left, and you probably still have a couple seconds for No Way Out before Remember Me even procs. So puts you in a really, really good situation if you want to be kind of... I guess, scummy with it. But either way, you, you have strats. It's a fun perk. It's useful in any killer. Territorial Imperative unlocks potential ones or reading ability. Survivor's aura is reviewed to you for six seconds when they enter the basement. And you are more than 24, when you are more than 24 meters away from the basement entrance. So this can only be triggered once every 45 seconds. This is one of those really useful perks that the Huntress has. I don't get it. I will never understand it. It is terrible. It is absolutely garbage. Literally, the only time is that I ever get used out of this is technically when I am running Huntress or Bubba or One-Shot Killer, and I can just get an immediate down with this perk, and it's almost for the memes. It, it is garbage otherwise. I literally hate it. It's so bad. I would literally completely rework this perk and say that, it like, literally, I, this is such a crazy statement but it gets rid of killer shack palette that's what the perk does <clears throat> the trial spawns with no killer shack palette something crazy like that a very strong palette gone or territory imperative allows you to break a singular palette per trial or you know like literally prior to it being dropped something crazy like that literally something crazy like that because this is your, the map is your territory, and the survivors are in it, 
And as a result, you're trying to give yourself a competitive advantage. That is the only thing I could even conceive of to try to rework this to make it a lot more applicable. Like I think of RPD with that, like that pallet on the stairs, that's a God pallet. I mean, literally, unless you, they drop it from top side and then you're trying to do the 50-50 and you have coup de grace or they have really bad time and you can have panic and go back and forth, you're not you're not getting the hit on them. So make it something good like that. Like get rid of a really important pallet before it gets dropped. Thanophobia. So for each injured, dying, or hooked survivor, all survivors receive a 2% penalty to sabotaging, repairing, and totem cleansing. But... If they're for injured survivors, there's an additional 12% penalty to repairing, saboing, and totem cleansing speeds. So, the perk's good for killers like Plague, like Legion, or Wraith if you're running, you know, the hidden run strat. Any killer that can spread pressure and keep survivors injured, it's pretty good. So, it's not a bad perk. It's not the best perk in the world because it's pretty pretty bad unless you have all survivors injured that's why i would argue it's best on plague because you shouldn't cleanse against plague and if you do to, to minimize the thena and she just grabs her power that could be detrimental to the success of the team depending on where that fountain gets cleansed at if it's in like a really pivotal part of the map you're in trouble so you have to keep that in mind but it's not a bad perk by any means i like it but once again it's a it's a, i would only use it on plague or legion but yeah throwing tremors after picking up a survivor, all generators not being repaired by survivors are blocked by the entity and cannot be repaired for the next 16 seconds. Fifty generators are highlighted by a white aura. It can only be triggered once every 60 seconds. I love this perk. I think it's a great perk because it negates any type of aura reading. It's like, well, I know you're there because you're on it. So literally the only way to actually counter this is if the survivor goes down and you know the killer has thrilling tremors and you actually hop off of the generator and wait for the killer to hook and then wait for that to disappear and then hop back on it. But then you're wasting a full 16 seconds. But I firmly believe throwing trimmers should not have a cooldown. That is the rework I would do for it. It's good on any killer. But once again, as I've mentioned in a lot of situations, it's just good on killers that have fast maneuverability, can progress to the map at a fast pace. Xenomorph, Sadako, Freddy. Freddy's phenomenal when it comes to this perk. Because he literally teleports the the generator, right? So, I mean, you can't get any better than that. Blight, Nurse, the list goes on. So, it's a good perk. I think it's actually, as the youngsters would say, slept on. So, definitely something that's worthwhile to run. Trust me. So, we're going to talk about Thwack now. After hooking a survivor, this perk activates the next breakable wall or pallet you break will make the survivors within 32 meters scream and reveal their aura for 4 seconds. It's a fine perk. I think you get some uses out of it. I think some people think it's a really bad perk. I think you get some uses. It helps with avoiding flashlight saves. It helps because you can use a breakable wall to your advantage. There, there's situations where you can get value out of it. It's not bad. And then if it's a really unsafe pallet, you can use it to... <clears throat> after you hook a survivor to see if there's a survivor in the area. There's some niche uses for it. It's not bad. It's not great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not bad. It's really, it's applicable for just about any killer. Obviously, you're going to get more value out of it on someone that can break pallets faster, like Bubba, you know, but it's fun. It's fun. It's not bad. It's just not good either. So, moving on to our last set of perks, Tinker. Tinker, wow, a perk that I would argue is probably one of the best perks in the game. is just no longer used. 
Whenever a generator is repaired to 70% progress, it triggers a loud noise notification and you are granted the undetectable status effect for the next 16 seconds. The effect can only be triggered once on each generator. I don't know why I slowed down so much there. But I was thinking as I was talking about it, I think a great buff to this perk, <clears throat> because they did kind of nerf it into the ground, no one really uses it anymore, is giving you a haste bonus when tanker procs. I would like that. I think when tanker procs, you should get a 5 or 10% haste bonus. Bam. Make it more applicable again. I think I would run it if they gave me a haste bonus. It's just saying you're chase and you get that haste bonus, that's great. You know, that's a natural, like... Hey, I'm, I'm going to benefit from this in my current chase. And if you have this proc, you might be able to get there on time after hugging a survivor. If you have, you know, Pop Goes the Weasel or you have a gen kick and build of some sort and you know where to go and you have a little bit more time to actually get there. That would be nice. I would like that. I would be okay with that. I would not complain about that. I'm once again, I just restore the perk a little bit. I hate when they nerf perks into the ground and they never get used again. And Tinker is one of those perks that I just have seen disappear. However, Trail Torment received a bit of a buff. After damaging a generator, you become undetectable until the generator stops regressing. During this time, the generator's yellow aura is revealed to survivors. This effect can only trigger once every 60 seconds. I don't think the aura should become yellow to survivors. I think that is a total indicator that, hey, they're running Trail Torment. Because usually when I see that very early in the trial, I can immediately determine that it's not from Blast Mine or some other perk that a survivor is running because of how early in the trial is. So <clears throat> I would highly recommend that they take that off to make it a little bit more, I would say, inconspicuous and not obvious. Behavior loves giving killer perks away. I don't know why. They do it with Monster Shine. They do it with Trail of Torment. They do it with other perks in the game. And I'm just like, why? Like, like to a certain degree, it's fine. But, like, why for Trail of Torment? It's not that oppressive. And, like, at the end of the day, like, it's it's okay. It, 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 it's not, like, an S-tier perk. And it's not going to become an S-tier perk if you remove that, too. I don't know. I don't know what behavior is thinking when they do things like that. But we got to talk about Ultimate Weapon, because this perk has become big. When you open a locker, this perk activates for 30 seconds. Survivors entering your territory scream, reveal their position, and gain blindness for 30 seconds. Goes on a 30-second cooldown afterwards. It's a good perk. It's a really good perk. You're seeing more people run Calm Spirit now. But it's a good perk. It's nice, because someone who deals with Distortion very often, as a matter of fact, there was a period in time where I was averaging two survivors a game to run Distortion, and then... Literally, once again, I was off the record two times a game. So I was like, great, constant aura block. And those were my favorite perks back in the day. But I actually stopped running those because I just was running no perks at that point because of how often those things would be utilized. But uh, ultimate weapon negates that, and I like that. That's very nice. However, you got to keep in mind, like, Home Spirit doesn't have tokens. It's permanent, unlike Distortion, which is temporary. You know, like, you only get so many tokens, and you have to be, you know, like, you have to perform certain functions to actually gain those tokens back, which is interesting to think about. I think you have to be within the killer's terror radius, if I remember correctly. Or maybe it's healing actions for distortion. I can't remember. It's one of the two. But yeah, I've never used distortion in my entire career, and I never will. So I don't really know exactly what it is besides the one or two times I've ever read it. But <clears throat> I don't like distortion because I feel forced to run try-hard perks when I just want to run aura reading. 
and distortion is just too common of a perk for me to ever feel justified in running it. And I just knew that from running Lethal Pursuer for such a long time. But Ultimate Weapon, I would consider it to be an A-tier perk. It's phenomenal, getting the information on survivors, and it's within your terror radius too. So they're within, essentially, chase range, which is great. Obviously, it's going to be better with maneuverability killers, and I'll say that a million times over. Any perk that gives you the ability to detect survivors is always going to be better when you can maneuver the map at a faster pace. However, do not use an arm wraith because unless you're running the add-on that literally makes you not your <laughs> terror radius, you know, not silent when you're cloaked, then obviously you'd get some value out of it. <clears throat> Unnerving presence: your presence alone instills great fear. Survivors within your terror radius have a 10% greater chance of triggering skill checks. When repairing or healing triggered skill checks, success zones are reduced to 60%. I think I mentioned a little bit earlier that Merciless Storm and Unnerving Presence have a little bit of synergy, if I remember correctly. I think I've seen a Wesker do that before. It's fine. I mean, it's nothing to write home about, but if you're trying to gain any value out of this, that's probably the way to go. But here's the thing, is that I actually think that having more skill checks is a bad thing, because then you're getting more great skill checks, therefore the generator is actually being completed at a faster rate. So, it's kind of bad, actually. But that's just my personal two cent. I think the perk needs complete rework as a result. I think that the perk needs to be put into some sort of, like, complete rework. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is another one news that kind of had me stumped at this particular moment. Your presence alone instills great fear. <clears throat> Honestly, like, if your presence alone is still great fear. That would be great, like ultimate weapon, like with you screaming at the like thought of the terror radius, but obviously ultimate weapon's already out. So <clears throat> you can make an argument that, you know, it could be kind of like the opposite of scene partner, right? Where you scream when you see the killer. Well, how about when the the survivors sees you? Because it is important for the survivors to be looking at you when in chase, you see their aura for so many seconds. Let's just say for eight seconds. Your presence alone instills great fear. Whenever a survivor catches sight of you, you see the survivor's aura for eight seconds after they scream. Something along those lines. So <clears throat> if they're trying to stealth and they're looking at you, they're, it's completely debunked right there. So they can't stealth away from you. And then you get to see their aura for eight seconds. Obviously, a distortion would negate that. And but we know I don't like distortion. But that would be probably the best way to rework it off of just, you know, thinking off the top of my head. I, w I don't think that's a bad idea, but it's better than nothing. I don't know if I would run it. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it'd be useful because it's almost guaranteed. It's not like, oh, they're too close to me. So maybe, it, maybe it's worth it. And plus, it would be good for mind games and the start of a chase. <clears throat> Unrelenting. You recuperate faster from missed attacks. Made with your main weapon, the cooldown after missed basic attacks is reduced by 30%. This is, it's, ironically enough, I've used it as a meme, and I've actually gotten value out of it. When you're just, like, doing fun stuff, like running Coup de Grasse and Unrelenting with Wraith, or running Coup de Grasse with any killer and Unrelenting, it's kind of fun. You get your value out of it. It's not bad. There's instances where it's actually enough for you to actually get your next hit off on a survivor, so <clears throat> I can't complain about it. Obviously, you stick to M1 killers if you're going to be running a perk like that. But yeah, moving on to Whispers. So, uh, I have a bit of a weird thing with Whispers. So, sporadically hear the Entity's Whispers when standing within a 32 meter range of a survivor. 
I don't like the whispers. I can't hear dog shit. So I think the reward they need to do is just to get rid of the whispers aspect and just have it proc on my screen. It's lit up when it survives within 32 meters of me, and it doesn't proc when they're not. That's it. Get rid of the whispers. It's so annoying. That's the only reason I don't run the perk, because I can't even hear my own thoughts, because I just hear... I'm like, what the heck is happening? All right. Last but not least, Zanshin Tactics. Yeah, we're here. So the Aura of all Pallets, Breakable Walls, and Vault Locations are reviewed to you within a 32-meter range. I think this is a great starter perk for any survivor, not survivor, any killer that's new to the game. It gets you an idea of how to learn the tiles. It's even good for certain veterans. You're literally, there's a clown main out there who will swear up and down this is a great perk because you know where to throw your clown bottles and where to essentially cut survivors off at. And so you can get massive value off of this and then know where they're probably going to go based off the location of things around you. So, <clears throat> depending on who you ask, this perk's fine or not. I just think it's a good, really good beginner perk. I literally think that the, the fact that this is on Oni is a complete disrespect. This should literally be on someone like Wraith. Like, literally, this should be literally Shadowborn or something. <laughs> like, just m make it worth it for newer players to be able to learn the game at an easier pace and not have to spend money to learn the game. And this would be the perfect way to do it. But yeah, that's the last perk, people. So I stumbled on my words a little bit. This is my first time back on the whole podcast grind. I'm hoping to get back into this every couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. I do appreciate all of you staying tuned with me. I'm hoping, once again, that it is bi-weekly. We finally got this video. I say video, but this podcast out there. It's been all too long. My, I will explain in my next podcast why I was taking a major hiatus from gaming slash the podcast slash DVD slash it all. But I do appreciate your time, and I hope you all stay safe in the fog.